Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Arizona is known for being a transplant state. For some, it was the attraction of warm winters and the beautiful mountain views that brought them to the valley. For others, well, maybe it was their job or simply they needed a change. Regardless, a lot of people who now call Arizona home didn't grow up in the Valley of the Sun. And maybe after a while, you begin to realize you're not in Kansas anymore. Like listener Mark, who submitted a question to the Valley 101 team. He said that he's lived in Texas, Iowa, Virginia, and South Carolina all before living in Arizona. He wondered why those places used water towers in their communities, but they're harder to find in Metro Phoenix. Welcome to Valley 101, an Arizona Republic and AZ Central podcast where we answer your questions about Metro Phoenix. I'm producer Amanda Luberto, and in this week's episode, I'll explore why this desert state lacks water towers. I'm sure that many of you had the same first thought that I did if you've lived in the Valley for a while. What about Gilbert? They have a beautiful and iconic water tower. Rebecca Hamill is the water manager for the town of Gilbert. She oversees water distribution, water production, and water quality for the city. So I'm not sure how technical you want me to get, because there are some some engineered reasons why some public water systems choose to have water towers and some opt for pumps. Uh, Mainly pressure is to keep pressure. So a water tower in a smaller water system can be a really efficient way to pump water up to the water tower and then keep pressure as long as it's full because that gravity uh, provides pressure to the residents that are being fed by that water tower. Um, And so that was what Gilbert did when we were a lot smaller. The water tower was approved in 1925. After spending about $40,000 to build the tower and the pumping station, it was completed in 1927. At the time, there were only about 500 residents in Gilbert. Its primary purpose was to supply the, the growing town with a consistent water supply and then also to meet fire flow demands. Fire flow demands are the rate of water flow necessary to control a major fire. It's like a backup tank if something were to catch on fire and comes out at a very specific pressure, which makes sense for civilizations in the desert to need that. But then Rebecca said something that caught me by complete surprise. Is there water in the water tower still? No, the water tower is currently filled with sand uh, because it is designed to stay up there with with some weight in it. So when it was decommissioned, it was filled with sand to kind of stabilize the structure. The iconic Gilbert water tower is nothing but that now, an icon. It was decommissioned in 1985, and Rebecca credits this to the growing population in Gilbert. Today, we have pumps that help keep system pressure because our water demand is so much more with our our population size. We have over 267,000 residents now, so quite a bit more than that 500 we had a while back when that water tower was built. Which makes sense. When Gilbert was much smaller, using a single water tower to provide water to the town was all you needed. But now that it's one of the largest cities in Arizona, it would need a more modernized system that can provide more water. 
Even after it was taken out of service, residents wanted to keep the water tower as an enduring symbol of the town. It's very symbolic for Gilbert. They have, you know, we have programs around the water tower and the water tower lighting. Um, we have a program where nonprofits can apply to have the water tower lit with their their colors symbolizing their cause. Uh, we have concerts and gatherings and different events in the water tower plaza. So it really is iconic to Gilbert. Even though they have a water tower, Gilbert's water production is pretty similar to most of Metro Phoenix. Troy Hayes is the water service director for the city of Phoenix. I asked him why Phoenix doesn't utilize a tower. Well, if you go back to the 1930s, there was actually a tower. I think it sat down by where the Raven Golf Course is. But in general, we don't have one because we have a natural elevation incline as you go north. Essentially, Phoenix doesn't need a water tower because they can do it naturally. And so water reservoirs are built at a certain elevation. And so that elevation, as you fill and draw water out of the reservoir, then sets the pressure inside the system. And so what we can do in Phoenix is we can set a reservoir um, that's up north, you know, maybe a couple more miles or so, and reach that elevation without actually having it in a tower. And so where you normally see towers is uh, land that has a, a vast very flat or very small towns in which you don't have a lot of elevation change from one side of this town to the other town. But with Phoenix being so large and with our elevation change from the river all the way up to Anthem, um, we were able to gain that uh, elevation advantage just by naturally changing uh, elevation. Because Phoenix is so sprawling and they can use land from Anthem up north all the way down to South Mountain, they can take advantage of that elevation change. Like Troy said, in places that are flatter or even smaller, places that don't have as much elevation change as Phoenix, they would have to use a water tower to create that change. The mountains surrounding the valley help a lot as well. The other thing that we do is we often locate tanks and reservoirs on the sides of mountains as well, gaining elevation changes as there as well. So where you get that advantage is it'll be able to support a, a population very close to the tank. You know, where, where we may set the reservoir with a natural elevation change three or four miles up north, as you might say, um, with a setting it on the side of a mountain, you'd be able to help the community right below that. Now, both Phoenix and Gilbert, along with many other cities, use water tanks to pressurize and store the water. The water pressurization is what ensures that you have running water when you turn on a faucet. Due to the size of Phoenix, reservoirs have been used for quite some time. So we actually see the first reservoirs in what we call the, the monitored uh, water system start to develop in like the 1930s and 40s. Uh, in 1932, the city of Phoenix ran a pipeline from the Verde River into town. Um, so there was that Redwood pipeline that came into town. There was a reservoir that was constructed at 52nd Street in Thomas and 64th Street in Thomas as well. Um, and those reservoirs weren't elevated, they were you know, dug underground, but that elevation and that change allowed water to get stored and then supplied to the customers at that time. So the city of Phoenix doesn't use water towers basically because they don't have to. The most iconic water tower in the valley is actually full of sand, and Mark's question about why there aren't many around was really starting to stump me. Were all of the towers now tanks? Were all of the towers we see now just full of sand and used for symbology and promotional purposes? Are there no working water towers in this desert state? And then I decided to look outside of the city. Although we're called Valley 101, we occasionally venture outside the valley to find answers. 
and my North Star in a hunt to find the answer to Mark's question about water towers came in the form of Coolidge, Arizona. Coolidge is southeast of Phoenix between Casa Grande and Florence. Their water tower is serviced and operated by Arizona Water Company, which serves 24 water systems across the state. Fred Schneider is the president and chief operating officer for Arizona Water Company. Uh, we do everything from just south of Flagstaff, Munns Park, all the way down to the Mexico border, uh, serving the community of Bisbee. Uh, we go all the way east over to Lakeside, Pine Top Lakes, and west out to Buckeye, even all the way down to Ajo. So we're all over the state in all kinds of terrain. They serve parts of Buckeye and Apache Junction, but Arizona Water Company is mostly focused on the rural parts of the state. They make sure that these parts have clean drinking water and other water services. Regarding water towers, Coolidge isn't completely in the 1920s. They do use water tanks, but they also still use their tower, or what Fred will refer to as an elevated tank. But unique to Coolidge, that tank is still in service because the water supplies are kind of on opposite ends of town, and we use the elevated storage tank to transition from one set of pumps on one side of town to the other uh, to make sure that we have adequate pressure. The water tower ensures that there is enough pressure to get things running. We talked numerous times about taking the tank out of service because it's not critical and necessary for what we do, but there's just not that many tanks still in service. It's been in great shape. Uh, we just recoded it three so four years ago. It was in great condition and uh, just kind of an iconic 92-year-old storage tank, and we just feel that it's an iconic part of the community and the town, and taking it out of service just wouldn't be right. You know, the phrase, don't fix what's not broken, really comes to mind. It does work well. Uh, we did take it out of service for about a year, just checking to see how the system would operate. Uh, it worked fine, but then we kind of put it back in service because it's just a monument to the community. The tank is just shy of its 100-year anniversary and is still working today. The tank was constructed in 1929. It was built by Pittsburgh Des Moines Steel Company, and it's actually the same company that built the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. It has 100,000 gallons of capacity. The overall tank height is 129 feet. That'd be the very top of the tank. Uh, the diameter of it is 26 feet in diameter and it's 25 feet tall, so it's almost like a, a ball up there. It does have some vertical size, basically like a big golf ball uh, up on, on stilts. A giant golf ball on stilts full of water servicing this mining town. Feels about right. Seeing as it's still working today, I did ask Fred to explain to me just how they work. Basically, you take a well, and you the well pumps water out of the ground and pressurizes the pipe system that's under the roads. And then there's a pipe that goes from that underground uh, water system and goes up to the bottom of the storage tank. So because it's pressurized, the water elevation fills that water storage tank and there's little sensors in it tells things when to turn on and turn off so it doesn't overflow. So it fills the tank up all the way, the well turns off and then we use gravity. Same gravity that when you throw something up in the air, makes it fall back to the ground. Gravity basically pulls on that water and brings it back into those pipes. So even though there may not be any water supply filling the pipes with water, the storage tank is drained by gravity and pressurizing those pipes. So you can take showers, open your faucet, brush your teeth, uh, turn sprinklers on, water your lawn, wash your car. So it's basically what keeps the system pressurized so that uh, you can get water out of your faucet. 
And similar to the city of Gilbert, the water tower in Coolidge serves as an icon and a community gathering space, not just a utility. The mayor of Coolidge, John Thompson, Mayor Thompson, in one of our meetings asked, hey, can we do something similar? So we took this tank, uh, which is kind of iconic to the community, and we painted the letters, you know, the word Coolidge on it, except we picked a, a font from the 1920s to try to tie it back to the year, you know, the century it was or decade it was made. And then actually the town of Gilbert was fantastic. We had several meetings with them, had some lessons learned, and uh, we, we basically worked with the city of Coolidge and got donations from the community, the businesses and the business leaders pitching some money. And uh, we went in and put lights on the storage tank and made it even more iconic for, for the community. And something I think the I know that the city of Coolidge and the residents are really, really proud of. According to the World Census Bureau, Coolidge has about 13,500 residents a far cry from Gilbert's 262,000, but much more than Gilbert's original 500. The residents of Coolidge are not only provided water from a tower built almost a century ago, but they celebrate its existence and rally as a community to preserve its history. If you want to learn more about the Valley's reservoirs and how the canal system uses water from them, listen to Valley 101, episode 141, The History of Phoenix's Canal System. All right, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Feel free to share this episode with a friend and remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us and other Arizona Republic podcasts like The Gaggle on Twitter at AZC Podcasts. I'm Amanda Liberto. We'll see you next week. Take care.